found this uh, story that uh, I thought maybe um, you might appreciate, especially our military folks, you might appreciate this. Um, it's about a captain on the bridge of a large naval vessel. He saw a light ahead of them and realized he's on a collision course, and so he signaled ahead, alter your course 10 degrees south. And the reply comes back, alter your course 10 degrees north. Captain's a little uh, frustrated, and so he signals back, alter your course 10 degrees south. I'm a captain. <laughs> and the reply comes back, alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a seaman third class. The captain's really frustrated now, and so he signals one more time. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. And the reply comes, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> now, I know, I hope, at least with today's technology, that would not happen, all right? Um, wouldn't even be close to happening. But the point is clear. For you and me and our individual lives, we can really and really, really fast totally screw up our lives when we fail to recognize and respect authority in our lives. We have today and next Sunday as we finish up this more than a rut message series. If you're new with us today, what we've been talking about over the past several weeks, we've been dissecting our services on a Sunday morning and everything that we do within the context of that 70 minutes that we call a worship service. And uh, we've just been looking, about, looking at how everything that we do holds huge potential for every single one of us, no matter who we are, uh, to become nothing more than a rut. And so we've talked about why we sing songs and why we take communion every single week, why we pray. Last week, uh, we, we, we talked about baptism and why we baptize by immersion as an independent Christian uh, church. And, and just talking about how all of those things, again, holds huge potential for us just to walk in here and, and, and do what we're supposed to do, say what we're supposed to say, sing what we're supposed to sing, look the way we're supposed to look, and walk out of here, and we continue to live our lives next week exactly the way we lived our lives last week. Exactly the same. And, and all of this just becomes nothing more than a rut. And we've said along the way the past several weeks that God deserves much, much, much more than just a rut. If there's one time if there's just one point out of the entire 70-minute service that, at least for me, that I think holds this huge potential to feel like for us just to kind of sit back and relax and kind of tune in and tune out and, and for it to just become a rut, it's this time right here and right now. The message, the preaching, the sermon, the teaching, call it whatever you want. This has huge potential for us to just kind of Kind of get, kind of, kind of go through, enjoy the first part of the service, and then just enjoy the second or uh, endure uh, the second half, and it becomes nothing more than a rut. John Piper writes this. He says, "If worship is meant to be a spiritual communion with God and a reverent, loving response to God, then at the heart of worship must be the revelation of God Himself." And he has ordained to be known mainly by his word. In other words, the reason why we here at Christ Church, and I would hope every church, no matter what kind of church they are and what kind of denomination that they are, the reason that, that for the majority of churches that on average about half of the service is dedicated to this time, the sermon, the message, the teaching, the preaching, is because we know 
that the greatest way that you are going to grow in your faith as a follower of Jesus Christ is by being exposed to this book right here. And we believe here at Christ Church Camden that this is God's authoritative word. And I know that can throw up some hurdles sometimes. If you're here and you're not a Christian today, I know maybe that maybe you've wrestled with that at different times of, you know what, that looks like, it feels like, it reads like just another book. And you're telling me that these are actually God's words? Come on, really? Maybe you are a Christian, and, and you do believe with faith that these are uh, God's authoritative, inerrant, without error words. But you know what? I don't understand it most of the time, right? What do I do then? That is why we teach this and we preach this here at Christ Church Camden. Two different things, in my opinion, it's two different things. In fact, I'd say it like this. Teaching is information while preaching is inspiration. Teaching is information. You ever heard somebody, maybe you've said this before, somebody say, I just want to go deeper, right? I just want to go deeper. We've had people leave our church and go to another church because they want to agree deeper, right? We've had, we've had uh, people come here. Uh, and say, I want to be deeper, you know, I want to grow deeper sort of thing. And what they're really trying to say, what they're really communicating is, I want more information, right? I want to, I, I, I want to absorb and consume more information. The danger, though, is if you don't do anything with that information, if there's no action following the information, then the information is kind of pointless, isn't it? Now, on the flip side of that, though, is the preaching, the inspiration. You ever been to a church before or heard a pastor before? Maybe I've done this. I don't know. And, 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 and during the message time, you're just like, yes. And you're like fired up. And you walk out of here and you're like, man, that preacher was on fire. He just hit it on the, the, on the head of the nail today. And you walk out and, that, and your social media is lit up with quote after quote. And what an awesome message and blah, 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 that sort of thing. You walk out of here and you're ready to conquer the world. You ever felt like that? <clears throat> That's the inspiration. But if you don't have the information, you're not going to know what to do with the inspiration. Are you tracking with me? You see what I'm saying? Teaching is information while preaching is the inspiration. If you got your Bible, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be at. You can also open up your Christchurch Camden app if you got that and uh, click on the, the link there that says teaching notes and the full outline and all these passages that I'm going to read uh, should pop up right there. You can take notes. You can fill in the blanks. If you put in the wrong word in the blank, it'll correct you and all that kind of stuff. So and you can email it to yourself. It's pretty cool. Um, but in this, this, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy. And he writes this to Timothy to encourage him, to spur him on, to inspire him, to give him the information like we're talking about here. And I, and I just want to share with you a few verses here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Paul tells Timothy, You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. I hope that is true for you here at Christ Church, whether it's myself or Matt or Allison or a small group that you are sitting in. You know that what you're being taught is true that you trust us to be able to teach you. Verse 15, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, 
And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. In other words, God speaks to you through his word. This is by far and above for the majority of Christians the missing link in their lives because we've set the Bible over on the, on the uh, uh, end table and allow it to collect some dust and then we wonder why God isn't speaking to me. God speaks to you. His primary way he wants to speak to you is through his word, the Bible. Did you catch this? It says you've been taught. It's through that teaching that you get wisdom. It says right there in verse 15. If you think about it, God's plan from the very beginning was his word. Right? Like, like God, God never had a plan B. You realize that? Like God had a plan A from the very beginning of time. It wasn't that God created mankind and then, and then we all screwed up all of our lives and we sinned and God looked down and said, oh man, they screwed themselves up again. So I guess, okay, Jesus, your plan B, so go take care of them. No, Jesus was always his plan. God's word from the very beginning was always his plan. Look at this in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. <clears throat> The word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, the word already existed. In the beginning, there was not a song. In the beginning, there was not a video up on the big screen. In the beginning, there wasn't a creative element to try to capture your attention. It was this grand universe that God created, the sun, the stars, the moon, the earth revolving around the sun, every single thing that you have experienced here on the planet. In, in, in your life individually, it all began with God's word. It is a huge priority. God points us, you take a stroll through this book and you begin to see what the priority of his word should be in our lives. Acts chapter 10 tells us that the word of God was sent through Jesus Christ. John chapter 17 says that God's word is truth. John chapter 8 says that truth can set you free. There is power in God's words. Think about it this way. Think about the life of Jesus Christ. Right? You study the life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? And, and we find this incredible power in the words of Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, when Jesus Christ spoke, seas were calmed, weren't they? When Jesus Christ spoke, fevers were cooled, right? When Jesus spoke, demons were driven out of people. Sins were forgiven. The lame began to jump up and walk. The deaf began to hear. The blind began to see. Dead people were raised to life all through the power of the words of Jesus Christ. What could the power of his word do for you? It's got to be a priority for us in our lives. Now, when, when we talk about this, there's got to be a balance here. This is where we really get ourselves screwed up between the teaching and information and the, the preaching, the inspiration sort of stuff. We kind of get things screwed up, okay? There always must be understanding in your mind before there can be feelings in your heart. If you flip that coin upside down, you're going to get things really screwed up in this life. I know a lot of Christians, a lot of churches who have flipped that upside down and they have begun to rely more on their feelings 
than they, ha- than they are on God's authoritative word, and it gets them totally off track. You ever come across that person? Well, I just don't feel that's fair. I don't feel that is that should be true. You know what? If it's truth today, then that means it was truth yesterday. It's truth tomorrow. It's going to be truth for a thousand years. It's going to be truth forever. It doesn't matter diddly squat how you feel about it. It's still truth, right? We cannot base it on feeling because a foundation of feeling is always going to lead to baseless emotionalism. Baseless emotionalism. We're going to be emotional over something we don't even know what we're emotional about, (laughs) right? we got all these feelings just kind of bubbling around in us, and we don't really understand what is going on. John Piper says, says it like this. He goes on and he writes, he says, Understanding of God that doesn't give rise to feeling for God becomes mere intellectualism and deadness. So it works both, ray, both ways. Okay? The, the intellectualism that doesn't lead to the emotions, that leads to the feeling, it's dead. But then he goes on and he says this, this is why the Bible continually calls us to think and consider and meditate and remember on the one hand and to rejoice in fear and mourn and delight and hope and be glad on the other hand. <clears throat> it's teaching and preaching. The teaching is the information. The preaching is the inspiration. And you can't separate the two. You've got to have both of them. And when we expose ourselves to God's word, God can speak to you. If you don't expose yourself to God's word, don't expect to hear from him. Going on, verse 16 in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And I love verse 17. He says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In other words, God works through you through his word. God works through you through his word. Now, here's another area where we've kind of gotten some things screwed up a little bit. I guess, I guess I should say just aren't as potent as they could possibly uh, be. Um, I love the younger generations. The millennials and younger, many of you, you fall into that category. And I, and I love them because somehow, I don't know how, but somehow your, your parents gave birth to you and you were born with like monstrous hearts. I mean, huge hearts. You want to do something. You want to make a difference. You want to change this world, make this world a better place. However, oftentimes, we, we, we go about that and we leave God's word over there just a little bit. One of the things that, that I've been challenged on for several years now uh, actually comes from Compassion International, which is one of our global missions that we support as a church. Many of you, you have a Compassion kid that you support on a monthly basis like Amanda and Allie and I do. And uh, Amanda and I got to go to Kenya uh, five, six years ago or so, I think it was, and see compassion in action, actually see them there. And they really challenged me on my mission's perspective and challenged me to adopt a long-term mission's perspective rather than a short-term mission's perspective. Now, I don't want you to hear me wrong, okay? I'm not saying there's anything bad or wrong with any short-term missions trip. That's not what I'm saying, all right? There is a value for that. There is a place for that, 
okay? And where, where, you, where you get a group together and you're going on a 10-day trip somewhere and you do VBS uh, somewhere, you build a building, you build a church or something like that, you know? Uh, but here's what Compassion challenged me on. They, they challenged me on what happens if you go and you do that VBS, what happens after the effect of your relationship with them? You're gone and the, that effect wears off. What happens then? What happens a week down the road, a month down the road? And, and, and it's, this, it's this concept of, of, are you going to give a hungry man the fish, right? You've heard this. Or should you teach the hungry man how to fish for himself and fix his hunger for the entire life, right? That sort of thing. It's the whole, like, like when I was in the Air Force, uh, we had a saying, I know you've heard this before, but we always said, work smarter, not harder, right? You've heard that, work smarter, not harder, which for us in the, in the Air Force typically meant we were taking all of our missions and just pawning them off on the Navy and letting them take care of everything, and we would just sit up and, and <laughs> thumbs up, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, work smarter, not harder, that's what we're talking about, right? Like, 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 can you imagine the difference? Rather than building a house in a third world country for a, a local person, what would happen if we taught him how to build the house? And then he can teach his children and his children's children and other locals in the area. What could happen then, right? It's infecting things from the inside out. Now, you take that even a step deeper with what we're talking about today. And when we realize that God works through his word in your life, and God works through you through your word, what's going to happen when we begin to mix God's word into all of this? Are you hearing me? Not just sprinkle it on top, right? Like, I'm, I'm not a cook by any stretch of the means. My wife will tell you that, okay? But I do know this. I do know this. That if, if your food is bland, right, what is better? Is it better to just sprinkle some salt on top or is it better to mix it through the entire dish? You sprinkle some on top, you'll taste it for a few bites, but then the rest of it is still bland, isn't it? You mix it into the entire dish and infects and affects the entire dish then. What would happen if we began to mix God's word into our lives and the lives of others as he works through us. What could happen then? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. At Christ Church Camden, we want to give you the information. We want to teach so that you have the information, but then we also want to preach so that you have the inspiration to do something with the information. Paul goes on into chapter 4. Now, remember this. It's been a while since, I know I've said, taught this a uh, long time ago, but it's been a while since, since I've had a passage that skipped over into the next chapter. Remember, to Paul and Timothy, this is just a letter, y'all, okay? There are no verse numbers. There are no chapter numbers. Paul didn't write this and get to the end of, of uh, verse 17 and say chapter 4, right? He didn't, he didn't do that. Like, like for me, if you sent me an email and you had them divvied, divvied up into chapters, I ain't reading it, y'all, Okay? Like, like that sort of thing. This is just a letter. It's just a letter that Paul writes. And so Paul's, even, even though we might stop, you know, thinking that the thought is done going into chapter 4, Paul ain't done here. All right? Paul goes right into chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. You got my attention here, Paul. Right? And then he says, who will someday judge the living and the dead? You really got my attention. 
when he comes to set up his kingdom. Look at verse 2. I take verse 2 as a commandment. You could read this, I understand, you could read this as a suggestion. For me, I take it as a commandment. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Patiently, that's the hard word, correct, rebuke, and encourage your people. In other words, God transforms you through his word. Not just a little work. He can transform your entire life through his word. Now, let me just ask you a rhetorical question. I'm not going to make anybody raise their hands and confess to anything in front of anybody else, okay? But I want you to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. All right, I, I, I urge you, I urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ right now to be ruthless about asking yourself this question. If it is true that God speaks to us through his word, if it is true that God works through us through his word, if it is true that God can transform our entire lives through his word, why are we not consuming our entire life with this book, his authoritative word? Why is it that the most, that Christ, most Christians get out of God's word is when they walk in here because it's just a routine, it's just a rut. We walk in here on a Sunday morning. Again, we do what we're supposed to do. We leave, we live our lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, exactly the way I lived my life last week, almost completely unchanged. Why is it that we are not allowing ourselves to be completely consumed by God's word if that's truly what his word will do to me in my life? Why? Why is that? Why is it that the most, most Christians get of God's word is what we put up here on the big screen every single Sunday and that's it? And then we put this on the nightstand and it collects dust for the rest of the time. And then, and then here's what happens. Listen, please don't miss us. Here's what happens, right? We, we, we leave here on Sunday, and we go throughout the week, and something happens throughout the week. And, and we're like, God, God, God. Now we finally start to pray. Now we finally start to call on God. We say, God, could you take care of this? God, could you, could you provide for me? God, could you heal this person? And then God doesn't necessarily answer our prayer the way we would prefer for him to answer our prayer. And we're like, why is God not living with me now when the reality is that it's not that God's not living with you, it's that you are not living with God. If I'm stepping on your toes, your toes probably need to be stepped on right now, friends. Because my calling, my calling is to patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage people with good teaching. This cannot be a Sunday book, and that's it in our lives. There's power, power in these words. And if you don't understand it, friends, listen. If you don't understand it, read it. If you don't understand it, just read it. A couple weeks ago I said, if you don't believe it, pray it. Now I'm telling you, if you don't understand it, read it. 
I remember when, when, I was, when I was in high school, I don't know, sophomore or so, around in there, I can remember having to read all that Shakespeare crap. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like all these theists and Taoists and I loveth you to the mooneth and back, that stuff that makes you throw up in your mouth, right? Um, and, and I read it the first time, and I'm not an intellectual person by any stretch of the means, all right? I'm not smart at all. And I remember reading that the first time. I did not understand a single word that I read out of that. You know what I did? I read it again. And I still didn't understand anything. And so I read it again. And I read it again. And I read it again. And you know what happened? I still didn't understand a single word out of that stuff at all. I can promise you today that if you don't understand this and you read it and you read it and you read it. What I experienced in high school is not going to happen to you. Because God, through his sovereignty, through his almighty strength, God somehow, some way, through the power of maybe his Holy Spirit in us, or I don't know, it's a mystery to me, but you read it and you read it and you read it and you let it absorb into your mind and into your heart. You know it intellectually now. You feel it in your heart just a little bit, and now God begins to pop things out at you. I never saw that before. I never read that like that before. I didn't know that's what that meant. Hmm, right? And God just begins to work in your life. That's what he can do because this is alive and active. This is not just a book. It's not just leather and really thin pages that tear really easy. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I may not understand it, but you know what? I'm going to read it. I may not understand, or I may, I may not understand it, but I'm still going to trust that these are God's word. I may not understand it, but I'm still going to see it as God's authoritative word, and I'm going to allow it to consume me and absorb me, and the more and more, listen, the more and more you read it, the more it will become life to you. And you won't be able to just leave it sit on a nightstand and collect dust. And because so many people make the claim, I don't understand it. For us, at least, at Christ Church Camden, that's the reason why we're going to teach it and we're going to preach it. It's the reason why we want to give you the information and then the inspiration to do something amazing with that information. And it's the reason why it takes up about half of our service. Because from the very beginning of time, this was God's plan. Maybe I should have made this the bottom line. If you don't get anything else, get this. If you don't understand it, read it. And I'll give you something extremely practical right now that you can walk out of here and do. You can do it before I'm done talking if you want. If you've never downloaded it, you download this app. It's called YouVersion. Many of you already have it. It's spelled Y-O-U-Version. Download the YouVersion app. 
It has practically every translation of the Bible you could ever want in it. It has reading plans in there. You can say, I want to I want to read the Bible in a year. I want to do the New Testament in 30 days. I want to read a reading plan about grace or about love or whatever it is. And it'll tell you, read these on this day, and they'll pop right up for you. It's super, super simple. There's all kinds of like devotions, devotionals in there, and you can read that and read the word and understand the word that's going along with the devotional then, that sort of thing. You can tie it into your social media. And so some of your friends like on Facebook or something can see what you're reading, and now you can hold each other accountable through it as well. Friends, please, please, Do not allow this to just become something we open on Sunday and that's it. Because if that's it, you're missing out throughout the rest of your week. And if you don't understand it, just read it and read it and read it. Because God will use it in your life. Let's pray.